Episode 204 of the PJ Archive comprises two interviews I did with the English comedian, actor, writer and director Harry Enfield. Harry had become established voicing various puppets on the satirical ITV series Spitting Image and playing the comedy characters Stavros and Loads of Money on Channel 4's Saturday Live. In 1989, he created Norbert Smith, A Life, a spoof documentary on a fictitious British actor. A year later, 1990, Harry did this first interview with me at his London home to promote the first series of his BBC TV sketch show, Harry Enfield's Television Programme. Well, I mean, after this Norbert Smith thing that I did, it's a sort of break back to sort of, you know caricatures again right. like loads of money in Stavros only instead of you know that was a show with lots of people in and this is a show with just me well it's not really it's got lots of other people what I mean is it's more caricatures so basically it's 15 caricatures or something, 15 different people well yeah I'll be playing one in each although Paul who I write with is playing about four or five with me and unlike the loads of money and stuff it's not stand up it's more sort of you know sketchy format Paul's Lance, isn't it? Is yeah, that's right. Paul's yeah. Lance, right, yeah, that's right, yeah. So and he will be playing Lance in this too. Right? So tell us a bit about these characters and, and a bit more about the format. Is it an on-running story every week? No, it's, it's, like a, it's like a comic, really. Sorry, they'll repeat every week. Yeah, it's sort of cross between Viz and Dick Emery, <laughs> I suppose, you know, without any dressing up as women. After Stavros and Loads of Money, I was offered my own series, you know, by quite a few people. Involving Stavros and Loads of Money? Well, no, just, I mean, although they thought whatever. it probably would be, or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. but my show, you yeah. know. But I always turned it down because I didn't think I had enough people, you know. I didn't think I had enough... I, I didn't want to just go into that thing of, yeah. oh, you've got to do that, well, that's the logical thing, you've got to do it now until I knew what I wanted to do, otherwise it would have been sort of half-baked. And uh, I feel with this one that we should have it right. You know, we did quite hard battles. I think it'll, it, it's what I want to do, rather than being chucked into something. So if it's useless, it'll be my fault, <laughs> rather than it'll be my fault because my taste is wrong, or right. our fault because yeah. our taste is wrong, yeah. rather than our fault because... We did it at the wrong time, we weren't ready to do it and, and all that sort of stuff. And that, that, that's the only thing that really annoys me, is if I do something and it goes wrong because of time or something, you know. Do you feel there's a lot at stake then? I mean, do you feel a lot is resting on this series? Well, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Norbert was quite a risk, although in a different sort of way, because it was something very different from what I'd done. And luckily it went down very well. And the reaction to it was completely different. Though. People who hadn't really liked loads of money and stuff, and stuff really liked Norbert. Some people come up and say, I thought it was brilliant, you know. And other people come up, you know, who I know are big loads fans. Mm. And come up and say, what a bloody hell was that load of bollocks about, you know. <laughs> so all those characters will be forevermore dead and buried. Loads is really, I mean... You know, he might come back for a one-liner or something right. in this, you know. I don't know. But but um, Stavros was never really killed off. It's just, you know, like doing Norbert, I do like new things to do, sure. and I get quite impatient. I just always seem to want to move on. 
I find new characters more exciting because more of a challenge will people like them and stuff. It's almost the English way. They like something established and they want it to always be rather than be cut off and go on to a new thing. I mean, you, being extremely creative, want to go on and do new things, mm. but the English public has sort of come on, bring him back. Yeah, I, I think it's... I think we're in a sort of no-win situation slightly on that point because, yeah. on the one hand, we'll definitely get people saying, oh, well, why wasn't Stavros in this? You know, Stavros is his best creation and he isn't doing him. But on the other hand, if I did him, people would say, well, the only thing I like in this is Stavros or whatever, you know, because they know him, you know. Tell um, me about a few of these characters then that you're going to be doing. Ranging from sort of 13 to about 80, I suppose. The youngest is a chap called Little Brother. He's like an overexcited little 13 year old. He's basically he's always there when you want to shag your girlfriend. He turns up, hi, only me. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, do you want to play chess? I do, I've lost all my prawns. Uh oh, uh oh. His sort of phrase is bloody hell, Baldrick, which is, uh, you know, it's all the kids like Blackadder, you know, I like Blackadder, bloody hell, Baldrick, your thing. Uh, and uh, he's a little idiot, really. Ranging to an 80 year old, there's a couple of 80 year olds that me and Paul play called the Gits, who are just little people. Yeah, miserable mouse. And they live at home and they do, you know, like, I mean, their burglar comes around one day and what do you want? You know, I come to burglar your house and you're not the eye, didn't you? You better come in then. Wipe your feet, though! You can never look at me corns while they're here and my foot's falling off, it's running away. And they're just horrible, you know, they're horrible to everyone. They're obsessed by death, you know, like one of them's kid. You know, he died a lot younger than me. <laughs> Serving bloody right, you know. Do they they're know just, each other, these characters? Yeah, all? they live together, these two. Yeah, these two, but do, like the little kid, does the kid know the old characters? No, well, not really, although we have got a couple of omnibus, something right. called The Bus Trip, right. which we've already filmed which is like a lot of the characters on a bus. It's just buying tickets on a bus, you know, and so the gits there, they're on the bottom of the bus and there's one pregnant lady and they're both standing next to her. She's sitting down, they're both standing there going, young people, and they don't give up their seats for old people. (laughs) (laughs) And all the other seats are empty, you know, (laughs) crowding her out. And little brother's upstairs, sort of, how much to go to Mars, you know? (laughs) We don't go to Mars, all right, then how much to go to North Pole? (laughs) You know, look, give us a money. So he's being a pain. I know he sees a fat bloke too. Ah, fat, look, he's fat. (laughs) Look, look. Hey, please, Bob, fat. There was lots of theme tunes, little brother. He's really into, you know, blockbusters and stuff like that, you know. Raving Monza, Ninja Turtles, or whatever they're called, you know. Or are some of them complete fiction or out of your head? Or yeah, there's one or two of fiction. We've got these two politicians who live in a house with Mrs. Housekeeper. She's got, who looks after them. And they're all, like, it's a bit like a sort of question time and they do things like you know she'll say um, right who's going to cut the grass local day well of course Mr Housekeeper it's not a question of cutting the grass this grass grown in real terms by over 80% under this grass and the Labour chap will go absolute bunk on this grass it's always cuts 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 it doesn't need cuts it needs fertiliser that's what it needs it needs investment you know and they just argue about everything in political terms you know using the loo 
being ill, it doesn't matter, but, but nothing about politics, they never talk politics. <laughs> but they do, they, they'll just be, I mean, they're obviously, they're just based on normal politicians. But there are, we got some, we got people called the Double Tape Brothers, who are great, I really like, I think they're really good. Me and a guy called Rupert Holiday Evans, who's right. a fantastic name, who we auditioned and was very good. And they're just based on... I always like double-taking in old films, you know, when people, <laughs> you know, go for it. And so these people just go for it all the time. They're just brothers. And they're quite chirpy. And it's all things like, you know, oh, thank God there's no journalists here today. <laughs> and then, yeah, but at least there's no microphone on the table. <laughs> and they just solidly double take all the time. They're quite annoying. I mean, obviously, they're not based on real life, you know. But they. Where does this come from? You just have an incredibly fertile imagination. Well, no, I saw. I mean, it's watching. I went to see uh, my learned friend, this uh, Will Hay film. Yeah. But I went to see it with um, a couple of people, and it to give moral support to this yeah. friend of mine who who was watching it, who was showing it to someone in the hope that he might want to remake it. And we went to see it, and I'm afraid didn't laugh the whole way through. It was a terrible old joke, except for the double take. Every five minutes, they double take. And um, every time they did this, I just roared with laughter. And I was sort of telling people about it afterwards, and then it sort of came from that. I thought, ooh, that's quite a good... I mean, it'd be quite funny. It depends. Some people like double take, some don't, you know, but I do. I'm yeah. a great fan of them. Interesting now, because you seem to be looking at different things whilst other people are perhaps watching the film for different reasons. You're analysing different ways. I mean, for instance, when I saw your Norbert Smith, that brilliant caricature of the government film, and he's you know, talking about sexual disease, mm. and you're doing those amazing movements, which have just absolutely got it to it. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that's incredibly well observed, because most people probably mm. wouldn't even look at that. Well, it's difficult. It's, it's not... I don't look at anything thinking, right, what can I get out of this? It's just, it's always subconscious. It's like anything, if you, if you, whatever you did last night, say you went out for a drink with some friends last night, and you were summarising the evening to mm. someone, you know, you wouldn't think the whole way throughout the evening, how am I going to summarise this evening? Right. You just, something would come out. Sure. And I never sit down and watch things thinking, how am I going to do this right. or whatever. But just some general thing seems to come out. You know, if I think back about something, something will come out. So it's more like that, really, than, than sitting down. You know, I didn't watch my learning friend thinking, what is there? Right. It just, that was the way I summarised the film. It was ghastly, except they double-taped like this. Mm. And then it made people laugh, double-taking, so I started doing it, mucking about, doing it all the time. You know, where are they coming from now? I mean, there was a lot of publicity about where Stavros came from, and yeah. that little check about somewhere. But where are these coming from? My little brother really just comes from kids in the street, you know. And, and like, oh, it's brilliant. Yes. Yesterday we were auditioning for a mate of his because we got one where he gets in with the wrong crowd. Right. And, you know, he comes home and says, Hi, bitch, mum, we all think we're black. <laughs> you know, he's got in with a Harlem crowd, you know. He thinks he's Harlem. <laughs> and his mum's going, Hello, David. And David's now called MC Dude. <laughs> and we had to interview these kids. And they were great. They were just him. You know, they came in looking just totally cool. You know, and we say this, and they go, yeah, all right, fine. And they just say that. And, you know, you say, hello, David, how's your mum? Radical. You know? <laughs> and they were just completely like that. They weren't faced at all. You know, they just... So they got the job. Uh, it's just kids 
you know, there's so mm-hmm. many kids like that now, you know, all the beatbox kids and all that stuff, you know. Carrying their gun Yeah, all that sort of guff. Because I think people imagine that because you've now a well-known face, people would imagine that you may not be able to get on a bus and observe yeah. people or something, whatever you well, do. Well, no, you know, I, I dress up you in do. cozies. Don't I? Well, on telly. Oh, know, on telly, I'm yeah. always... So I, I still, you know, I go on the bus and the tube and... Nobody recognises you. No, sometimes, I mean, you know, sometimes... I have days where I get recognised all the time. It's very funny in Oxford. I mean, I cycle a lot into town. <laughs> and um, I was in Oxford Street the other day. And I was just crossing it. There were four cabs coming up. And the first cab going past, I went, hello, Harry. As he went past, I went, hi. Second cab going, by, H. <laughs> the third cab going, by, why, Harry? They're fine. The fourth cab going, by, I went, hello, Harry. <laughs> it's just four in a row. I went, hi. Hello, hi. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> but it, it's not, you know, I mean, people come from different, you know, I don't watch a, a lot of telly, so not much of the stuff we do is derived from television, yeah. which a lot of sort of sketchy stuff is. Yeah. And, you know, you just see people around. I mean, the Gits, for instance, came from um, this mate that Paul used to work with, that Hackney Housing Department, who, um, he wasn't actually that old, but he just had this attitude, you know. I remember Paul telling me about it ages ago. In one breath, he said, nah, you leggies, did a lot of work with that company before the war. And then the next breath, he said, that Gandhi did a lot of good work with peace. Let himself down wearing fucking nappies and <laughs> he's off again. Who is this guy? And Paul always used to tell us about him. So I said to him, you know, should we do this guy? Should we try and get him going? And Paul's going to do the other one. I think part of the strength of it is that we all can relate to those characters all. I mean, I know yeah. somebody like that as well. Well, that's the sort of general thing is that yeah. you know that's what I go for. Yeah. Is when we were seeing people before, I, I sort of thought, well, would it be nice to do it with other people? rather than just sort of characters that we have to come up with. If we did four or five and other people, and I saw a couple of people, and this guy came along who was very, who was a very nice bloke, yeah. and he said, well, I've got a couple of characters that were very funny, but they were sort of things about, like, a middle-class chap who has problems being a non-sexist, you know, and I thought, you know, it was a very funny character, yeah. but it was sort of a very minority interest character right. sort of right. thing you know it was about being middle class and yeah. non-sexist yeah. amongst other middle class non-sexist people yeah. you know. not caricature enough perhaps yeah. yeah well just just sort of most people think hey <laughs> what's all this about you know and we do tend to go for people that we think will have the broadest appeal really a lot of comedians and actors I've interviewed are often saying they feel a bit worried about hiding behind characters all the time whether they would last as performers if they're always hiding behind mm. disguises and characters and things like that. How do you react to that? I mean, because you, you do that an awful lot, and that seems to be... Well, that's my whole thing. Right. You know, I mean, right. I'd never be myself, sort of thing. I never want to come out and go, hi, how are you doing? Because I, I can't do that. I'm not very good at that, you know. Yeah. I mean, Lenny does it, and Lenny does it very well. Yeah. He does his characters and his stuff, but that's Lenny's personality allows him to do that. Yeah. But um, I'm much happier hiding behind characters, you know. And, and I, you know, if they all go, then I'll do something else, you know, or I'll think of some more, or, you know, if this is a complete flop, then I'm probably in trouble. I mean, I've got a couple of other things lined up, but... Uh, like what? 
Well, it's just a, a thing for Central as an actor, rather than something I've written. Right. It's, it's like, it's a comedy series, like, minder length series, you know, 40 minutes, 45, I don't know. And you've written that? No, I haven't written it or anything. I was just asked to be in it, and it's dead good. Called Gone to the Dogs, which I'm doing for Central next year. So if everything goes wrong, you know. But, um, but on the character... You know, I mean, I don't want to ever get into the thing of having to do the same old characters year sure, after year after sure. year, you know, which is one of the reasons why I gave up doing loads and Stavros. Because you could do that for years, you know, and then it becomes like a job. I might as well work in a factory or something. Yes. It doesn't have any interest. Cause, and you see people doing that, you know, when you see comedians who've gone on for years doing the same thing, sure. you see how stale it gets mm. just from their attitude. Yeah. And for me, the only reason for doing it is is the challenge of seeing if it works, a new thing, you know. As far as loads were concerned, it, it sort of almost appeared as if it might have got you to get too big, it's like out of hand. Well... Was that the case? No, I mean, not really. Sometimes it was bad. Right. Because I mean, where I lived at the time, there was a comprehensive school around the corner, and they used to just come and ring the doorbell all day, and go, you Harry Enfield? You know, <laughs> so that was a bit boring. <laughs> But, um, you know, they just stand and stare. Yeah. And I open the door and say, yes, bye. And, you know. I mean, they were very sweet, but, you know, it got a bit much. But um, but were you getting loads of money shouted at you? Yeah, time yeah, and, you, know. you know, or, or peeps. I mean, yeah. a lot more people went, hello, peeps. Yeah. You know, it was always much more popular. I mean, the press image was all loads of money. Yeah. And that, through the press, making people watch the programme, they saw Stavros if they hadn't seen him before. Yeah. But I got a lot more sort of allied peeps and stuff, you know, a lot more people like Stavros, you know. A lot of comedians complain that people, first of all, expect them to be funny all the time, in real life, as it mm. were, and also that they try, people try and be funny to you, thinking that you'd appreciate well, it. Well, people, but you know, I mean, people always say, it's going to cost you loads of money, eh? <laughs> yeah. As if I haven't heard it before and I have to go. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Do you find that a stress? No, no, you know, it's part of the thing, you know. I mean, the whole, the only reason I'm doing anything is, is because people watch it. Mm. So if those people come up, you know, they're, they're the people, you know, who, who you rely on. Yeah. So, I mean, in one way, it's a good judge of how something's going. Because right. the more people shout at you, the more you realise that it's going well, yeah. you know. Because you never know about ratings and stuff like that. You yeah. know, they're all sort of manufactured, but... It's like a lot of famous people say, as soon as people stop asking you for your autograph, it means something's going wrong. Mm. Is that how you view it then? Well, I mean, if I did the series and was completely ignored by everyone yeah. and slagged off in the press, <laughs> then I think this series hasn't been a success. Yeah. You know. yeah. But no, I mean, you know, I expect it. And, you know, obviously, I mean, I stopped using the tube for a few months because I got, you know, in the rush hour one day and someone was loads of money in me here yeah. and everyone, you know, is on the tube. <laughs> trying to ignore it and it was just dead embarrassing you know so I gave myself a break for about four months but then, then it was fine again but no I mean I, th I don't like the attitude that people are pestering you if they mm. come up you know I have my private space which is here sure. and I have I don't like it if people ring the door you know because people know where I live around here and if they ring the doorbell you know, I had a, some drunk bloke from the pub ringing the doorbell and demanding that I went to have a drink with him, and I went down and bulled him out, you know. Yeah, quite right. Yeah. And, um... People seem to think they own you if you're a, a, a famous face. Well, you know, in a way it's nice because they think that you're a mate. Yeah. If they think you're a mate, then they think you must be like that. 
if I disappoint people because I'm not funny in real life, then that's... I'm sorry about that, but I'm not going to change and try and make jokes yeah. for them, you know. Uh, I know what you mean, though, yeah. that people think, oh, I'm expected to be funny yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But I don't expect myself to be funny all the time, and I'm not, you know. You don't find the pressure to be funny all the time? No, not yeah. at all, you know. And I'm just, if people think, oh, I met him, he's a boring git, yeah. then that's fine, <laughs> you know, I don't mind. I don't mind, but it doesn't really affect yeah. me, as long as my friends don't go off. <laughs> the characters you, you portray are very sort of laddie and matey and just sort of people everyone would like to knock around with. They mm. might, they'd like to know someone like loads of money. And, uh, I don't know about liking to know well, that. No, but yeah. everybody yeah. probably does know someone like that, because they are so true to life, as it were. That sort yeah. of makes people think, well, they're, they're part of you, you're part of them, as it were. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the most extreme case is Lenny who, I mean, just from walking in the streets with people or yeah. something, I remember a couple of years ago trying to, I was writing stuff for Lenny, and um, we had lunch somewhere and then had to walk to Berwick Street, and it was like four streets walk, and everybody stopped it, like everybody, everybody thinks they're his best mate, yeah. and he's brilliant with it, it's just, yeah. how are you doing, wham, yeah. and he's off, you know. Yeah. He's a really big smile and beaming, and he's... Whereas other people, like, like Rowan Atkinson or someone, people stay back from a bit yeah. because they're more in awe of him. He's yeah. not so much a best mate as yeah. a, you know, someone they really admire, but yeah. people don't rush up to Rowan in the same way as Len. Because yeah. Len comes across as, you yeah, know, right, yeah. good time boy. And, you know, I'm probably somewhere in the middle there. Mm. You know. Do you find, though, that your friends and, and people you meet are paranoid about you, that they suddenly think, gosh, you're going to out of me or no, no. you're going to include me in one of your sketches no, or no not at all I, you know I'm probably the least funny of all the people I know no no I mean most of my friends are sort of you know been friends for years and years yeah. and years and they've never you know I mean obviously I take the piss out of them but they take the piss out of sure. me you know that's how it's yeah. been my culture <laughs> all my life yeah. talking about all your life if we, can we go back to the, your early days as it were? have you always been quite a, a performer as it were, or were you actually quite shy as a youngster? Um, is it in the blood at all? No, it's not in the blood. No, I was always a bit of a show-off. Stop showing off is a big memory of my childhood. <laughs> Don't you know. child, no, no, there's four of us. Right. You know, but but um, I was talking about it to Paul the other day. We were, talking, we were just thinking, we were writing one a little brother thing and put a stop showing off in. And Paul just looked at me and isn't it awful? I had that all the time. Like, yeah, so did I. You know, all the time you think you've got a friend round, so you're showing off in front of mum, you know. <laughs> and mum's going, stop showing off. You're like, I'm not. You know, because you're going, <laughs> you know, just being a little turd. But um, no, I mean, I never, I didn't actually do anything on the stage. I think I did some school thing when I was about 13, you know, but other than that, I never did anything until I left university. So yeah. I never expected to do it, you know, I was interested in politics, really. Yeah. That's my interest. Yeah, I gather that's quite extreme, isn't that correct? Well, it's not that extreme, really. Someone you know, says it's a raving Marxist. Yeah, well, it's a good, no, millionaire Marxist, the <laughs> best one that <laughs> Sun's come up with. You know, well, both of which are untrue. Well, but, yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I studied Marx for two yeah. years. At university? Yeah, right. yeah. And, you know, as a philosopher, I think he's quite hard to beat, you know, but that doesn't make me a Marxist any more than making, you know, I, I think a lot of what Jesus said was very good, you know, it doesn't make me a Christian, really, because I'm not. Mm. 
Catholicism? I've rejected Catholicism, yeah, mm. completely. I haven't rejected the idea of that there are good ideas in the Bible right. or in the Quran or in whatever, you know. I mean, there are good ideas in all these things, things that we ought to live by, but it doesn't mean I believe in Judgment Day and all that stuff, because I don't. I don't want that. If that's actually true, then I, I don't like it. My idea of heaven is a resolution of conflict, isn't it? Of, of human conflict, is it? It's, you know, if God made man in his own image, then we're all, and we're supposed to be like God, then we need to resolve our... I don't I like this idea of some bloke up there saying, you sinned, therefore go to hell. I think that's rubbish. And if there's anyone up there like that, I don't think he's very nice. So I don't want to go and be in heaven with him, thank you. So, And I certainly don't want to be there with my ex-headmaster of Worth School. That sounds to me like hell. So, um... Just tell them about your parents, and what, what are they, are they still with us, both of them? Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. And what, what, are they, what work are they in? Um, well, they're, they're sort of early 60s now, and Dad, he's in local government in Chichester, he works for the education department, and Mum works for Sotheby's in Sussex, you know, on a part-time basis, and, I mean, Dad's retiring in February, cycling down more. And you've got three sisters and a brother? No, no brothers. Three sisters. Three sisters. And what do they do? Um, one lives in Burkina Faso. What does she do out there? She, she works for people called ADD, right. on disability and development. Right. And um, one of them's at Photographic College, and she's got a Bronica. <laughs> and one of them's at Journalist College. Right. So how do they feel about your... I mean, are you treated as a star in your family? No, or not just at all. Still no. old, good old Harry? No, I've... So I show off a bit. <laughs> still telling you the story. Mm-hmm. You're quite a close family, though. Do you get together quite a bit? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm very close to my sisters. I mean, it's hard, you know, finding the time to go down and see my parents, oh. but I do. Well, you know, you're saying you fell into comedy. What were you actually thinking of doing before you went to York University, for instance, when you... Didn't have an idea, that's oh. why I went. And that um, gave you the idea, did it? No, not really. I didn't know what I was going to do at the end. I went in very confused and came out even more confused. But then I, I met a chap called Brian Elsley, who did a lot of street theatre and stuff. And I used, in my last year, literally, when we were doing finals, you know, we used to have a laugh down the pub, I suppose. And then uh, he said that I wanted to write a show with him for after the finals, so we did this. So we wrote a show and it seemed to work at the university, so we took it up to um, Edinburgh and we got good reviews for it. And then people came to see it from the BBC who offered us writing work. So suddenly there seemed, from having nothing, yeah. there was just the opportunity, the possibility of making a tiny bit of money. Actually, something someone's going to pay you for writing right. jokes, you know. Right. So then it seemed, well, I'd better go down that path because. Uh, Hadn't friends and family always been saying, come on, Harry, you're such an old performer? No, absolutely not. I mean, they were all... It was very weird. Mm. Mum and Dad, you know, I mean, quite, you know, understandably, they thought this is a bit odd. Mm. You know, everybody thought, well, it's a bit odd, you know, and it's very unlikely. But it just sort of carried on from there, really. Mm. So what was the big breakthrough? For me was um, meeting John Lloyd, who was producer of Spitting in It, who... I was doing sort of cabaret shows and someone came who said, oh, you must meet my boss. Yeah. 
So I went to meet their boss, and then they said, well, I can't, because there was some project that I sort of... In fact, there was the first draft of Norbert Smith, which has come out slightly from the cabaret stuff yeah. I'd done. And their boss, who was head of arena, said, um, well, I can't do this because it's, it's a piss-take arena, it's not arena. Which is why this, this woman who worked for arena had, had seen the cabaret and said, you know, I think we should do this for arena. And he said, well, I can't do it, but you should meet John Lloyd, who's a friend of mine. John agreed to meet me, so we had lunch one day, and I told him about it, and he said, well, I can't do it now, I've just started this splitting image thing, if you want to do that. So I did spitting image. Which voices did you do? Did you do Geoffrey Archer? Yeah, yeah. I don't do it anymore. I stopped doing it about a year ago, yeah. Just for time. Yeah. I mean, it's recorded on Saturdays. It was good, but the series is... It's a bit treadmill, you know. It's difficult to keep something like that fresh. Who else did you do? Oh, David Steele. You know, Douglas Heard, Leon Britton before Douglas Heard. Various people, I can't really remember, you know, a few Labour. I'm mean, just six of us did tomorrow. So. As far as David Steele's concerned, the spitting image was considered to help his decline, basically. Yeah, I How think that's you? absolutely rubbish. There's a, we just done that, actually, there's a South Bank show coming right. out soon. On the spitting image, image, right. image right. in which David Steele's interviewed nine interviews. Right. And we both, I haven't seen it yet, but they asked me that question. So I think it's bunkum, you know, I think he's, and, you know, it's a television programme, it doesn't move mountains or change governments. Right. If it was the Roger Cook report and they yeah. found David Steele in bedroom... With you? Me. No, <laughs> obviously. Well, you're obviously change. very keen on, on politics, and wouldn't that be a, mm. correct? I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, like everyone who gets older, you get more and more disillusioned with everyone, you know. Right. But, I mean, I'm still a Labour supporter and everything, very much. Right, will you, camp- will you campaign for them? Oh, yeah, or? yeah, I've done right. stuff for them. What about going into politics one day? No, I don't, you know, I was the wrong crowd, different temperament. Mm. Very different. I think you have to have a polite way of talking, it's a very different temperament. Mm. But you, you take life quite seriously, though, from the, from the political point of view, all that sort of mm. thing, and, and life isn't just a, a bunch of roses and a bit of a laugh. Well, no, it's, one, it's, one might it's the opposite, really. Right. Isn't it, when you look at it. But, I mean, for me, it's, it's a bit of a bunch of roses at the moment. You know, it's going very well. Do you find it hard to believe, because you sort of fell into the business, that you are in this sort of fortunate position of you know, being well-known and presumably reasonably well-off and with a secure... Oh, yeah. What, hard to... Sorry. Do you find that hard to believe, because... Yeah, you took yeah. A lot of the time, I think, God, I'm so lucky. Mm. You know, from, you know, from leaving university with nothing. Mm. Jesus, you know got my own flat, got a mortgage, but so is everyone else. But I feel like a grown-up now. I never sort of thought, I mean, from, from doing this, you know, very old. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes I think, help, you know, when are they going to find me out? What do you like doing away from, how much of your life is work? And how much of your life is... Well, quite a lot, really. It's either work or worrying about work, a bit of a worry, yeah, I mean, I don't do a lot of work. You know, I go to the pictures and the opera and stuff like that. And But I'm very social. I see friends a lot. spend a lot of time just, you know, hanging out with friends and stuff. Rather than I don't have any massive interests like skateboarding. No, stamp collecting. No, unfortunately not, no. You mentioned before you have a lot of friends who you knew from way back. Mm. Um, do you think that's quite important 
because you might almost mistrust people who you make friends with now, perhaps. Or, do you see what I'm well, saying? Well, yeah, I mean, good friends yeah. come from way back. You know, yeah. there are some people I meet now who I think, well, they're quite fun or, you know, quite good value, but they're not good friends. You know, it's, it's like... And, and some people I meet now who will be good friends and are really good friends, yeah. but generally aren't part of the business and are generally sort of successful in their own right, mm. sort of, so they wouldn't be impressed by me, mm. per se. And, you know, then there are other people, you go to parties and there's some sort of people you think are quite fun who are obviously yeah. just being a bit flash, you yeah. know. Yeah. But um, they're not good friends, you know. I mean, I, I always think it's difficult in London, I don't know if it's everywhere, but... Basically, you have about five good friends, or something, who I do, who I see all the time. And then my next lot of friends, I see probably once a month. Or, mm. So you never have time to see them, because you're too busy seeing your really good friends, you know. Mm. So do you live a fairly ordinary life? Do you sort of go down to the pub a lot? Mm. Yeah. Sort of yeah, well, I don't go to the pub a lot, so I try not to drink too much. But, um, Why was that a potential problem? We've got a big well, story I think it's all, No, but it always <laughs> could be a problem, couldn't it, you know? Only, I mean, they seem to have a reputation, comedians, for being massive drinkers. But no, I, I mean, I go to the pub up the road quite a lot. But no, I, I mean, I do a lot of people coming around here drinking a bottle of wine, you know. Or I go to them, you know. But I don't, I, I don't like going out too much. You know, if I really relax, I'm much more relaxed in a closed environment yeah. than somewhere where I might get hassled or something, you know. Can you see yourself one day being settled down, married, kids, or yeah, yeah. You fancy that, do you? Yeah, one day. But not settle down. I don't think I'll ever settle down. I'll carry on growing up. Right. Well, that just that image of, right, now I'm going to settle down and do this, you know, I, I wouldn't see it as that. I'd see it as, obviously, one day I'd like to be with someone, and, uh, but carry on growing, yeah. you know. I mean, it's all, you know, like you change all the time. And I never want to think, right, well, this is it now. Yeah. This is it, wife, kids, house. Right. I want to carry on growing and growing with the right. kids too, you know, if we had kids. Do you think perhaps you always want to carry on being quite youthful and, and with a great enthusiasm? Which you yeah, I want to carry on doing things, doing yeah. new things, yeah. yeah, all the time. And so you I mean, I think if I out. stop doing that, well, I don't see why a family would stop that. It shouldn't yeah. stop that. Right. If it did stop that, then... You know, I mean, I wouldn't go into anything thinking, right, well, this is it, this right. is the next stage, you know. Right. have to be a sort of feeling of continuing, you know, of, of continuing finding things out and learning. Yeah. So I think we're a lot luckier these days in that we can get married later, mm. you know, or mm. people do get married later, and there's no point in doing something until you're absolutely sure. A lot of people these days are very obsessed with the environment and all that sort of thing. Mm. They seem to be jumping on the bandwagon in a way. How do you feel about that? I don't talk about it a lot. You know, it depresses me too much. I mean, I'm fairly environmentally mm. right on, I suppose. There's huge bags of newspapers out there to go down to the recycling centre. Right. But, um, you know, I don't talk about it a lot. I leave that to Ben. Mm. Do you hang out with those guys a lot? I hang out with Ben a lot, yeah. Not with any of the others. Not, not from, you know, I mean, I don't know the others. And, but I know Ben really well from working with him. Mm-hmm. And we get on really well, I really like it. And he's very funny, right? Yeah? Yeah, fantastically funny. Are there a lot of people like him you admire? Then? Like Ben. There's no one else like Ben in the world. <laughs> no one like him. Who would um, you pay to see? Who would you... 
Oh, well, lots of people, really. I mean, I'd always pay to see Rick Mail. I mean, live, you know, I think he's fantastic. But, you know, I mean, I don't know him very well. I've met him a couple of times. But, I don't know, yeah, there are lots of people. You know. Do you find it hard sometimes to believe that people appreciate your humour and find you funny and everything else, does it? Mm. I mean, you seem to be very yeah. modest. I don't well, yeah, I do find it. Well, you know, I don't think, oh, why do they, you know, <laughs> if I find something funny, yeah. I hope they will. Yeah. I mean, if, if I do, I'm not bothered about it. I don't have a feeling. I mean, some people I know, if they get slagged off, they get really cross mm. about it. But I think, you know, thankfully we're a nation of individuals or whatever, you know, everybody has their different opinions. And for everyone who likes me, there's someone who doesn't. And so the chances are that if I find something funny, then 20% of the country will, or 10%, or 5%, but enough people will to make it worth my while, mm. you know, or their while, or whatever, you know, but I'm not, I don't feel any sort of horrible, sort of, oh, everybody must love me, or mm. why don't they love me, or mm. What else could you see yourself doing then, if it wasn't comedy? You know, I've always said I'd like to produce something at some point, you know, right. to do something. Get the other side of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, sometimes people come, people have projects that I think would be really good, I'd like to sort of try my hand at you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I just like the idea of getting a project done rather than and it just so happens that at the moment they tend to have me in them. But yeah. I'm very much involved the whole way down the line, sort of. Yeah. It's not like I just come in and do them and go away again. Mm. And it'd be nice to do it without the pressure of having to be in it, you know. It'd be nice to right. do it. But that's just something else, you know. Sorry. It's, it's not an ambition that. I want to be able to be in a position to give up performing and mm. then produce, you know. But you'd never get out of the business altogether, you'd never... Well, I would do. Obviously, if, if things go badly, I'll get out. Can't see how they can do that. Well, they might do, yeah. you know, yeah. you never know. You know, people change or the backlash happens and all that. You know, everything can... Everything. Or well, I could have changed. I mean, it could be that all the characters we've got are just totally... I have lost the year to the ground or whatever or we have you know it could be that that could be the you know really if that's happened then I'll I won't do it you know because there's no point you know that I don't want to be up my own bot sort of thing you know so in ten years time you imagine you might be in production basically well no I'd like to be in both you know I mean I'd like to before. do other things I mean I'd like to be in production before that mm. You know, I'd like to do a couple of series and then maybe try something else and maybe do something else. You know, I don't know what I'll be doing in ten years. You know, I never would have predicted this ten years ago. Right. What about general hopes, though, for your future and everything else? Do you have any? No, not really. Just that, just that things are successful, you know, mm. really. Just that people like them, mm. really. Just that I feel that they've we've done as well as we can. That's the main thing, you know, like... Norbert appealed to a lot less people than, say, Loads and Stavros, but it does, I don't regret it, because I think we did it well, generally, you know. And, uh, you know, obviously with this, I hope that we've done it, we do it as well as we do. I hope I don't let myself down or anybody else lets me down when we do it, you know. That's the only thing, really. Right, sounds good to me. Anyway, thanks very much. OK. Thanks a lot. Right, thanks, Peter. This is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the second of my interviews with Harry Enfield. This one from 1992, when he was in central London promoting the second series 
of Harry Enfield's television programme. You did say that you were only going to do two of these yeah, televisions. This is, the second is this the second and last, definitely? Well, we sort of would like to do sort of Christmas specials, <laughs> like what Stanley Baxter used to do, or Victoria Wood and people. Probably. So, you know, the characters will live on maybe once a year or something. How do you sense what works and what doesn't work? Do you have a sort of certain amount of people that you listen to? No, there is a market research. I mean, the Beeb actually do market research, and they mm. say of the characters, which mm. ones you like. So there's a lot of that. And out of those, the slobs and the uh, DJs and the Tim Nice But Dim were the sort mm. of top. And then generally, they, they sort, of, sort of were all fine, really. Mm. On the slobs front, it, we couldn't help noticing this, but you kept on getting the giggles quite often in, in the sketches. Yeah. Is that something you're prone to? No, I blame Cathy Burke for that entirely. She would start off, she's terrible for it. Well, you still we let the cameras roll, didn't you? Exactly. We let them roll, but we had to stop a lot of times and then cut. I mean, there are lots of cut between takes. And next time you do it, and, and I'd say, you know, yeah, out or something, she'd be looking at me. <coughs> Like this, and I just piss myself. You know, it happens a lot of times. Yeah. Is it more the script and what you're doing, or is it actually her that's it's very not the script? We'd be fine in rehearsal. Mm. It's Kathy on the night. She just gets the giggles. But she was all right this series. She wasn't too bad. She only did it once. You've now got quite a team of of sort of colleagues together. How how participating are they? People like Kathy Burke. Certainly, uh, Martin Clunes is in this a bit. I mean, not as so much as we would have liked, but he's in. He plays the playboys, some new people, and uh, rugby players, and he's brilliant in them. And I'd really like to work with him more and with Kathy. And, you know, it's a question of thinking of something, really, and then writing for them, you know. But Paul Whitehouse, he, he yeah. seems to be your sort of main... Well, yeah, but we've been together. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, Paul and I and, and Charlie Higson write the whole lot together, and, and uh, Jeff Perkins. And Paul's been around for, you know, I've known him 13 years. And, he, and Paul and Charlie invented loads of money, so they've worked with me since then. And Paul, mm. definitely, yeah. I mean, I'd always like to... I love working with Paul. The mm. only trouble is Paul has such good characters, and sometimes we've tried some of them out in the show, and they haven't worked as well as they should have done because mm. people are expecting me to do it because mm. it's called the, the me show, mm. you know. Do you get embarrassed by that? Because you're quite a shy guy in a well, way. sometimes actually. I just like it to be... You know, if it was Harry and Paul's show, then... You know, but it's just building him up a bit more, giving him a higher profile, and then, you know, next time maybe, you know, whatever. Who's your favourite then of the of the last series that you did? I would say the DJs really, mm. just because I really like doing stuff with Paul, and I like talking rubbish. <laughs> I think they're good. I like I like the DJs because mm. no one had done DJs before, and I like characters that you think. Why hasn't anyone done that? But it's obvious. They talk such rubbish. And they get they talk even more rubbish in this series. The one DJ that you play, um, it, you know, has often been said to be based on Alan Freeman, and, and he actually meets Alan Freeman in this. Yeah, he does. He's not actually based on Alan Freeman. He's a mixture of sort of fluff and uh, Mike Reed, and uh, I mean, he's a, he's they're both conglomerates, really. But I mean, my because Paul was all up there, I decided to make mine more uh, down there. But not a uh, not Freeman, you know, right, right. He's not right down, uh, you know. I mean, I can't do Alan Freeman, but so well, how did he feel when you approached him about this? And he was great. He's really good laugh, he's really sweet guy, and has great fun. You know, you see, 
we just got amazing and old people saying we go to visit him and he's under a he's under a rug sleep under a rug like that and we just say tell us about your day mate and he just pulls off the rug and he's got a mixing desk underneath and he just goes you know whatever it is up at eight down at nine for breakfast first there was bacon then there was eggs they got together and formed bacon and eggs right right at ten slow walk round the garden followed by eleven slight stumble twelve o'clock wake up it's time for your nap right you know so he does the rundown of his day the pop rundown but, and then he goes back to sleep but I mean presumably he knew about these characters beforehand so how did I he I don't know I suppose so I didn't I never actually asked him did you approach him personally on this one or, or did one of your BBC colleagues Jeff Birkins rang him up yeah mm. or rang his agent mm. you know whatever I mean you don't approach people because it's harder for them to say no mm. it's much better to go through mm. you know I don't know Alan so mm. so did he talk to you about the character did you have a bit of a laugh about it oh he knew what he was doing yeah, I, uh, it was just great. You know, he really sort of enjoyed it. And sometimes he go, "You naughty boy," because we're rehearsing other stuff at the same time. You know, and I'd be doing a lot of stuff about he must a young be friend. Paranoid, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was all the references to a young friend of mine, and he's. Uh, I've been talking to a young friend of mine, and he's got a theory. Ah ah, you naughty boy, Harry. Ah ah, you know he's off. Tell us about some of the... You've got this, this Playboy character. Tell us some of the more characters Ding you've got. Dong. Yes, well, we've got the Playboys. They're in the second one. They're basically Jason Kings. Mm. I play... Who do I play? Uh, Sam Moritz, I think. Am I Sam or Sydney or Monty? Sydney. No, I'm Sam. The Sam Moritz, Monte Carlo, and Sydney Harbour Bridge. And uh, we're Playboys. And we rescue diamonds that have been stolen by evil geniuses. And stuff like that. And we're just, I mean, there's only one sketch of I it. Mean, it's basically, it's a Jason King. Mm. I play, I'm, my actor is called Jason Queen. But, uh, Jason King. Lots you know, nice salmon, lots of hair, and lots of girls, you know. You are wonderful, I must say, princess. You really are bang on. <laughs> All that stuff, you know, totally sexist, gross. It's obviously fairly obvious where that came from. I remember in the yeah. first series, you had a fair idea of where some of these characters had originated in your mind. I mean, a lot of these coming from people you're in contact with? Well, they, I mean, Paul and Charlie have come up with most of the new characters mm. for this series. I mean, there's a guy called Leslie... Sorry, Leslie Norris, who's an absent-minded barman. Mm. It was a great creation. I think he's great. And he's just... Uh, ooh, uh, he's got a big beard, and he's about 15, sort of thing. He's got a pub, and he's the world's worst barman, you know. And he can't remember anyone's name... All the regulars, any of their names or what they do or who they are or anything, you know, it's all like that. Derek, Mike, John, 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 it is John, uh, Derek, Mike, Andy, Andy, isn't it, Andy? So, point of usual then, Terry. Uh, oh, remind me, your usual. What is it again? It was a uh, uh, wife. He's all right, you know, and your kid, you got a boy and a girl, haven't you? Had, uh, two boys, uh, one boy, one girl. Uh, you got two boys, you got a girl who went, no, I got a boy. Really? Oh, do you hear that, everyone? Arthur is just got himself a little puppy, marvellous old drink of that. And he's always just pouring a drink, just about to give it to someone. And then he go, Oh, I'll drink to that. Bonk. And he, he's definitely with it, you know. And no one ever gets served. And they invented him, but obviously everyone knows Barman, who, uh, you know, never quite get the order right. I mean, he, if he's got a catchphrase, he hasn't really, but it's the nearest thing to it is he, he's always going, Right now, uh, you, you gave me a tenner, was it? <laughs> you know, like for the chains, you know. Oh, right, no, I wanted to find Lager. Right, with you in a minute, you know, and then he's off to someone else or something. Else. He can't get any of it quite right, you know. But he's, a, I really like him, but he's a Paul and Charlie, you know, mm. it's just an exaggeration of everyone's mm. barman that everyone's ever known. With the uh, 
general election coming up, we'd have thought it'd be an ideal time to bring back the politicians that you had. Do you think they've run their course? Yeah, they didn't really work very well. Right. You know, I mean, it was an idea of just having them talk about mundane things, and then it just looked really naive when I saw it. I thought, yeah. this is painful. We've got a couple of... I mean, although we did it last year, the end of last year, yeah. we imagined the election would be about now. So yeah. we did a... We've got a sketch of Tim. I think in the first programme, Tim Nice, but Tim Canvassing. Right. For, for the Conservatives, I presume. He's not sure. He can't remember. <laughs> Charlie's uncle uh, drops us off here in the van, you know. Um, no, he's not quite sure about that. He's not quite sure about the policies either. The, he, he, he doorsteps someone and... Mm. They ask him questions about Europe and things. And, uh, <laughs> no, he's, he's not uh, too sure about that. So we got, and then I think the, oh, the politicians are talking about the general election too. They just talk about uh, Conservative and Labour. You can't have too much choice, can't you? It's like uh, when someone says, Do you want a cup of coffee or tea? When you sometimes you wish they'd just give you a cup of coffee and have done with it. Or tea. Yeah, indeed, you know, uh, too much choice, you know. So they just bollock on about it. Mm. Those kind of vehicles give you a chance to give vent to some of your own political feelings and whatever, or do you no, never try and do all. that? No, no, I used to do that with a bit with Stavros, but it made me cringe a bit. Mm. So easy to go, the bloody Tory bursts. I mean, our DJs don't know, and they don't care, they just know that someone turns up and says vote Labour and then the next minute someone else turns up and says vote Tory and why can't they make up their minds who I'm supposed to vote for they don't understand you know and uh, Tim doesn't understand you know no it's not try and keep that out of it really otherwise you're just preaching to the converted is it difficult to expose yourself as a a Labour supporter as it were when you you know when I've got loads of money when you've got loads of money and you've been to public school and so on I don't think so at all you know I went to public school for two years Tony Benn went for six years, I think. Mm. You know. But it's like saying John Major shouldn't be in the Conservative Party because mm. he went to a state school. Mm. I mean, I can't help where I'm sent when I'm a child. Mm. You know, I wasn't. Mm. A, you know, and also, I don't believe in banning public schools anyway. I don't believe in banning anything, and uh, I don't believe in banning fox hunting for that matter. And uh, as far as having money, well, if Labour win, I'm going to have to pay another. more in tax because I earn loads of money but I would prefer to pay more tax personally and not have to worry about bad schooling and bad housing you know if I don't pay the tax now there's going to be a big scum class soon the way I look at it purely selfishly soon there's going to be so many people without education without this destitute you know the poorer are getting poorer and I'd sooner spend the money in taxes than have to spend the money on iron railings to keep the scum out in ten mm. years' time. You know, mm. I'm scared the country will turn out like America, where you know you go to America and there's two hundred grand's worth of security around people's houses mm. to keep the scum out. Mm. You think, well, they had a decent education, health program, you know, like a a mixed economy in this, you know, like mm. we used to have. Then they probably wouldn't have had to do that. Mm. You know, I do believe that education and welfare and stuff stops crime. I do believe that. So it's quite selfish. Is it difficult, though, sort of giving vent to feelings that you may want to in public like that and, and in fact, almost might alienate a section of your audience? I don't know. I mean, I don't vent it that much. I don't want to be pious about it and say, you know, 
people who vote Conservative are any more selfish than I am. I mean, I vote Labour from a selfish point of view, in that I think it will be better for me and my children if I have any. I think they'll do a better job on crime and lots of things that will affect me, you know. I don't want to worry about having to join Bupa. I don't want to worry about private education. I don't want to have all these worries in the future because I want there to be good state schools and I want there to be good health service and stuff. So purely selfishly, I prefer to spend the money now, have it deducted in tax and not worry about it, you know. That's not very pious. So that might alienate people, but... Some celebrities do come under quite a bit of stick in the press or whatever, often because of their private lives and so on. People seem yeah. to leave you alone. Why do you think you're amongst the sort of lucky ones who get away with it? Oh, I don't think they would if I went out with someone famous. They wouldn't leave me alone. Or, you know... Who has it you did go out with somebody famous once? But we won't go really? Who? <laughs> What's her name? Helen Lederer, I think. Oh, I went out with Helen Lederer. Yeah, yeah, she's quite famous. I, I thought you meant someone like... I thought you meant someone like Kylie. Oh, right. OK, we yeah. can always make it up. Yeah. I am not willing to comment on the rumour that I have heard that I am having an affair with Virginia Bottomley. I am not prepared to comment on this rumour at all. I won't confirm or deny it, right? That's what I'd like to say. <laughs> Quite like the idea of having a rumour that I'm having an affair with Virginia Bottomley. She's jolly, is she? Have you ever met her? No, but I, I can't fancy her. Now, a few years ago, when you did loads of money, you made a record. Yeah. Um, are you, are you planning to do any more pop records? No, we were thinking of doing a Boltman Turner Overdrive uh, rap or something. <laughs> I ate it. We were thinking of just playing the Boltman Turner Overdrive record with us mm. talking over the whole thing. Mm. Uh, we don't like rap because people talk over, quite literally, uh, great old records and they just talk the whole way through, don't they? Mm. And I think that's awful and just talk the whole way mm. through it. But um, then we forgot about that. Now, somebody said to me, ask him about the word... Is this a word? Why would they want to do that? Were you supposed to be on it recently, or is it a favourite programme of yours? No, we go to the word. Mm. When we finish doing my programme, we do it at the same studio as the words. Mm. Right, Limehouse. Yeah, and they're on it in the studio next door an hour after we finish. So we finish, go to the bar, get tanked up for an hour, relax a bit, and go and work off your sort of hyper energy Mm. by bopping along at the word. You know. So do you like the programme? Go in the audience. Uh, I like the music most weeks. I think Terry Christian's great, mate. I really do, and it talks a lot of sense. And uh, I don't know. I mean, to tell you the truth, you can't really hear the thing. Mm. Uh, if they've got good rap music, or you know, good dance music, mm. or something, and then it's really good fun. Mm. When it's a bunch of white rockers, I can't be bothered with it. You know, mm. I mean, you, you want to go and let off a bit of energy. Mm. You've got white rockers there. I can't be doing with white rockers. <laughs> What are your musical and, and television tastes? What, who would you go and see music-wise, or, or what do you watch on the box? Well, well, I went to see Van Morrison a few weeks ago. Very pleasant it was, too. And um, I like a bit of the old opera, lovely. And uh, on the box, I don't watch the box. It's a bit like work. So mm. You start looking at camera angles. I watched Morse last night, two hours, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. You know, I knew he did, did it pretty quickly. I sussed. I was mm. right. But um, and Martin was in it, Martin Clunes, which is why I watched it. He was really good in it, really good. But you do spend a lot of the time... Well, you know, if you do filming and stuff, you're looking at the camera angle and this and that and the lighting. And the only thing I watch as a rule in comedy is uh, One Foot in the Grave and Only Fools and Horses and Vic Reeves, and that's it, really. And then I watch the odd documentary. But I don't tend to watch 
serials and series and stuff like that because I never I always miss the next week. Do you go out and watch comedy? Do you go and socialise with other comedians and so on? No, I never go and watch comedy. It's work now, you know. Mm. And you just sit there thinking, what do I think of that gag? You know, I mean, I do. The only people who really make me laugh, piss myself, are Vic and Bob. Other than that, and young, one foot in the grave and only fools and horses. Mm. Uh, one foot in the grave is my big thing at the moment, because Vic and Bob is none, you know. What the hell do you think you're doing? I just think they're so sweet. Now, being seen on the TV, obviously, there's got to be a certain amount of vanity in there. Are you remotely vain? Do you work Ooh, out? Yeah. Do you keep yourself in shape? No, 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 I don't. Yeah. Why not, Harry? I started to, because mm. I got up to 13 stone, and I got back down to 11.2. Mm. And I'm now about 11.7 again. So it's starting to go up again. Mm. I just felt a lot better being thinner, and I was really I was looking hideous. I'm quite thin in men behaving badly. I'm mm. thinner than I am now, anyway. You're growing your hair now. Is this a deliberate policy? No, I haven't had it cut since the series, and I really mm. want to. Mm. Is yours a deliberate policy? It is, actually. It is, is it? <laughs> so it's these bits. Well, too to tuck it behind the ears. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, the clothing front? Do you, do you go out and buy lots of clothes, or do you just wear whatever happens to be in your wardrobe? What do you think? I don't know. No. I occasionally go out. I think I'm fed up with all this stuff. And, mm. You know, buy a couple of shirts. You're yeah, not that interested in appearance and all no, that. No, unfortunately not. I wish I was. Really. Is your career going the way that you wanted to, or are you not that ambitious? That well, you're I've been very lucky so far. Mm. You know, I haven't got an ambition, any particular ambition, other than everything I do to do it as well as possible. Mm. You know, but I haven't got a game plan. There isn't a game plan that, right, we'll do this, then we'll do a movie. You know, then I'll go to LA and become Billy Connolly. There's no game plan like that. No, it's just everything that comes up. Since you mentioned it, would you would you, would you consider going to America and trying your humour out there, or do you do you want to stay over here? Good old no, blighty. I've no interest in it. You know, it doesn't mean I won't. But I've no particular interest. You know, I've got enough things to do. I don't even work anyway. It's very English what we do.